Once upon a time, female characters were routinely given a shallow role, the damsel in distress, the seductress, or merely a victim. Nowadays, the pendulum has swung the other way, sometimes to extremes. Enter the strong female character. No doubt you've seen her in a film or read about her in a novel. What drives this woman? What does feminine strength look like? And what are the unintentional weaknesses to storytelling that sometimes result? This is Fantastical Truth, the podcast from lorehaven.com. We are on a quest for the best Christian-made stories and for biblical truth found in all stories. I'm Zachary Russell, once again flying solo as Stephen Burnett, the editor of Lorehaven, is away at a conference. But I'm not totally alone, as we'll be joined today by a fantastic guest, Elizabeth Wheatley. This is episode 56, Which Biblical Qualities Empower Strong Female Characters? So this topic is not merely one of casual interest to me as a fan of fantastical tales. You see, I'm a father to three lovely girls, so I pay very close attention to the messages that they receive in pop culture about what defines feminine strength. I also think about the many awesome women in my life, my wife Naomi, my mother and sister, and my grandmother, all of whom have fought battles and defeated monsters, albeit of the more ordinary type. With each generation, there tends to be a different definition that they are given on what a strong woman is. My conversation today with our guest will focus on a much more recent trope about the strong female character, or rather, the ways in which this trope is being challenged. So let's welcome our guest and jump in. We're joined today by Elizabeth Wheatley. She is a Christian author of fantasy, the ongoing five-novel series, Fanged, the completed seven-book series, Argatellum Saga, the ongoing nine-book series, Warlords of the Sand Sea, and the new series, Dangerous Assassin, 22 books in all. I'm very impressed by that. Elizabeth also produces Broken Enchantments. The Argatellum Saga is a fiction podcast, and it's a story about overcoming generations of evil. I think it's something our listeners would really enjoy. But welcome to the show, Elizabeth. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Zach. Great to be here. Yeah, so Elizabeth and I have known each other about a year now through a writer's group, so it's, it's really fun to get to talk on the podcast, to talk about your books, and to talk about today's topic. But uh, before we jump into that, can you tell our audience, how did you first discover fantastical stories and biblical truth? So I was introduced to uh, science fiction fantasy by my dad. One of my favorite childhood memories is um, he told us the story of Odysseus while we were on the front porch making goat cheese <laughs> during a rainstorm. It was it was a wonderful day. As far as biblical truth, like a lot of people, I was raised with a religious background. But in college, I re- it, it became real for me and I discovered God for myself. So I'm a huge fan of Jesus. Love him. Yeah, that's me. That's cool. Was there a particular moment in college where, you know, things turned in a new direction for you? Well, I, uh, in college, I was struggling with a lot of mental health issues, and uh, I realized that it was either the life I was living did not match up to what was promised in the Bible. So I had to accept that either the Bible was wrong or what I was believing about God was wrong. And so it turns out God doesn't actually hate me <laughs> and that there were a lot of things, lies I was believing about God. And so if it was anything, it would be the time I, w- I had one coworker. 
I got locked in the car with all day, like locked. We had to work together and we were driving around all day. And she like told me some things about God. It's like, he's, he's really awesome. He's not angry at you. He loves you. And so um, that would be, that'd be like the first domino that tipped over and ended up changing my life. So yay. It's always great to have those friends that just really speak truth in your life that you know that God is sent there for a purpose. So that's awesome. And I love that story of of how you first heard that story, just all the sensory details of what you were eating and what the weather was like. That sounds so memorable. And I don't think I've ever had goat cheese, but but that's really cool. Well, to uh, get started with our topic here, you recently posted a meme in a group we're in that's uh, about strong female characters, and it sparked a lot of discussion. Last I checked, there were 57 comments, and so everyone's (laughs) got opinions about it, which was really fun. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, okay, we got to have Elizabeth on the podcast to talk about this because everyone is really interested in this topic. So, so can you read the read off the meme that was there, and then we'll jump in. Yeah. So, um, a Tumblr user posted, um, uh, "I don't think writers realize that strong female character means well written female character, and not just female character who punches stuff and shoots stuff." And then there was a reblog on that post that said, I don't think half the people on Tumblr know the difference either. <laughs> um, so it, it was just a text post that I shared. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's kind of a duh kind of thing, but it's interesting how much people had to say about this. What were some of your favorite like takeaways from that discussion? People have a lot of feelings about it. Some of them don't quite agree with me. Some of them do agree with me, but uh, in general, we agree that... Uh, there needs to be a more diverse representation of women than just um, the woman who can smash things. Which is really funny. I mean, when you just take a step back and look at this, it's like, we don't just have male characters that punch things. I mean, I guess in superhero, the superhero genre, that's all they do is they punch things. It is funny how that has become sort of the trope that everyone thinks about. Okay, so for today's discussion, we're going to look at three things. How did this strong female character that's often associated with punching and shooting. How did that become so prevalent in fiction? Secondly, what are the, like kind of what are the variations of this archetype? Like what are the different ways this plays out? And then thirdly, how might this character type be evolving as people become aware of what a trope it's become? Like what, where is this headed in, in some more positive ways? So we'll talk about a lot of examples from stories about this. So this first topic, like where did this come from? So I I have a theory that it's sort of like a pendulum swing that audiences got so tired of the damsel in distress that they wanted someone completely the opposite of that. But what what do you think about that? I would agree with that for the most part for so long in, well, history, literary history specifically, we see that uh, women are helpless and they're there to be rescued by the male character and uh, they are tokens that are passed between the male characters and uh, they're there to raise the stakes for male characters. And so there was pushback against that. And then we came all the way over to the other extreme where she don't need no man and uh, she beats up all the men and uh, she will do horrible things to the men. And uh, then it was now it's too far out that way in a lot of cases. Right. So we may be kind of hitting the opposite wall of where the, where the pendulum swings. What you said about the, uh, you know, the, she's just a prop basically for the male characters. Like she's not her own character. She's sort of a foil or she's uh, a goal or something like that. It's like 
there's so many movies it's like you know he's gonna save the world and get the girl and so so she's just sort of like a side quest for the for the male character and so yeah it, it i hear what you're saying it's that in some cases it's the same story but maybe flipping just flipping the gender roles so the girl's gonna save the world and get the boy except i actually don't see that as often so we're gonna talk about that that's that's the really interesting side of this to me let's go into this this first category is what i call the impossible hero or the uh the surprise superhero i think it's classically called the femme fatale this is like the classic archetype of the strong female character that punches things that shoots things that's just super fast and strong and it's kind of like the anything you can do i can do better sort of archetype there's a really funny like picture i have in my mind of this character it's from a brian regan skit where he's talking about, have you ever watched that movie where there's this guy on a motorcycle and he's driving along? And you're like, man, that guy's driving so fast. That motorcycle looks so awesome. And he pulls over and you're like, man, what an awesome like leather outfit. I mean, it's kind of tight, but okay, that's, that's pretty cool. And wow, what a cool helmet. It's so dark. I can't, I can't see what that guy looks like. And then he pulls off the helmet. Oh my gosh, it's a woman. <laughs> and the hair flows out in slow motion. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, it's like he he does this joke so well. I'll see if I can find that on YouTube and link to it. <laughs> but but I feel like that's like that's kind of the archetype. It's like it's like you think it's a guy. Like it it looks like a guy runs and punches and shoots like a guy. But oh wait, surprise, it's a girl. It's it's almost like the continuation of the goddess Kali. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Okay, actually, I'm I'm not going to pretend to know what that means. Tell me more about that. Uh, Kali is a figure from Hindu mythology that's uh, associated with death and bloodshed. There is a theory that she is actually a branch or a descendant from the same root as Athena and the Ugarit Anat. So um, they all have recurring themes of uh, being very martial figures. There's this one story in Anat where she... Uh, invites everyone to her home, all the, her enemies, uh, the enemies of her brother, who's also her husband. But that's that's another thing. Um, and so she kills everyone, and she until she's wading in blood up to her thighs, I think it is, and she takes all their heads and creates a belt. And uh, you see that figure, that typology of Kali as well, where she'll have the belt made of skulls and uh, human heads. That's a very basic explanation of it. I had a three-hour conversation with a world religions professor about that one time, and uh, I have to use it somehow. This is why we brought you on the podcast, because <laughs> you are, you're not only the expert on being a woman, you're the expert on female characters. So you've written <laughs> you. all these stories and obviously done your research, so way to go. <laughs> My first, I guess, awareness of this type of character was from The Fifth Element. It came out when I was in high school. So it's Lilu Dallas, played by Mila Jovovich. This was like kind of the surprise, right? She's, uh, I, I don't know how tall she is. She's probably average height, average weight. But yeah, she could punch through walls and she could like topple entire gangs of bad guys. And, you know, she's got these skinny little arms and, and you know, not like, she's not like a Dwayne Johnson, you know, or Arnold Schwarzenegger, but she's like more powerful than any of those guys. So wait, how does that happen? Oh, well, it turns out it's because she has like perfect DNA, which gives her somehow the perfect muscles that and and somehow magically conforms to 90s beauty standards right. so um. <laughs> yeah. i'm not really sure how that works right <laughs> a similar character was uh from the 90s was uh 
Jessica Alba's character in Dark Angel. This is a James Cameron TV series. Similar thing, like she was genetically engineered and to be this super soldier, and she's got cheetah DNA and lion DNA and all this. She's like a chimera of all this kind of stuff. And so, uh, so the similar idea that for her to beat up everyone else, she's got to have this like kind of superpower. And then uh, basically all of Dollhouse, although I've never seen that, but I, I think that's kind of how what Dollhouse is about. It's like these kind of superpowered girls. But are you familiar with that show? I saw a trailer for it once, but I don't really know it. Which is uh, one of those Joss Whedon shows, which, uh, you know, we've talked about that. So and then, uh, OK, I've watched a little bit of Firefly, but River Tam's character uh, played by Summer Glau, she she's sort of in the same category, right? She kind of is, um, but she she has a very significant level of vulnerability because of her mental. She's so her brain's been experimented on. She's supposed to be a psychic, and that's where her power comes from. So she will like see where the other people are going to move before they move there. It's like the little girl who can also drop a room full of thirty people. Right. So she has like the mind of a 10 year old sometimes, but then she'll make these vast uh, extrapolations and explanations. So I don't think she's quite in this category, but she kind of is. So it's, it's similar to like Eleven from Stranger Things, who's got these psychic powers from all these experiments that were done on her. She's obviously got some trauma. She's got some mental health problems. She doesn't even speak for a while. But when she turns on the power, it's like she can flip cars over. So. You know, whatever you think about these characters, it's pretty cool to watch, right? It is very cool. And then the the ultimate like superpowered character would be Ray from the new Star Wars series, Ray Ray Skywalker. Sorry for the spoiler. Spoiler alert. But Ray has magically the power to use the well, magically to use the magic. She can use the force, she can fly spaceships that she's never stood in before. Um she can teleport things, she can know things. And we don't really know how any of these powers came about. And then she's stronger than basically any other force user. So, And she also beats a lightsaber duel with a man who's been training his entire life. That's right. The first time she uses one. Yes. So for the segment of, of the audience that watches this, they, they're excited, right? That this character comes out of nowhere and just owns everyone. Then we've got the, I guess you could say like the non-superpowered variation of this. So this would be Black Widow, Laura Croft. Yeah, what do you, what do you think about those characters? So um, while I did love Tomb Raider, it does annoy me watching Angelina's, Angelina Jolie's version where Laura just is apparently um, can do anything. She just has the luck of a god and rolls through doing whatever she wants and um she gets wounded once in the first movie she like gets cut on the shoulder and it gets magically healed by these monks somehow and then she's perfectly fine there's no consequences for her actions <laughs> black widow i would say also falls into this category at least in the first iron man the movie where she shows up iron man 2 apparently she can walk into this high security facility and I forget how many people she drops, but she beats the crap out of all of these men. The part that made, made it especially annoying for me is how they have her doing that. And then they have the other man there with her shown to be excessively incompetent. And so I didn't think that was fair. And uh, it was <laughs> incredibly unrealistic to, from my perspective. I mean, I can understand it's a superhero movie, 
but it really annoyed me and it took me a long time to forgive her character for that mm. just watching the series yeah it took me until captain america winter soldier to forgive her well and you bring up a good point it's that these ladies can beat people up without any seeming consequence so just from a basic standpoint once you get over the you know excitement of that it's kind of boring like it's kind of predictable like, you know that she's going to walk in and slaughter everyone, just brush the dust off her shoulder and just kind of wipe her hands and everything's going to be fine. You know, and the, the ultimate version of this was Summer Glau's character, Cameron, who's a Terminator. This was in the uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles that was on Fox for a while. That was a great series. I loved it. I, I love all things Terminator. But she's probably the ultimate example. You know, she's, in, she's got some similarities to the River Tam character of sort of antisocial, I guess, or, you know, she's a robot, right? So she's not really human. Yeah, she's just totally unstoppable, unless it's another Terminator. And so it, it's sort of like playing a game on God mode. You just wipe everyone out, and it's easy. There's some amount of disappointment to that. And I don't think that's a gender thing either. I, I have a suspicion that a lot of women, and you can, you can tell me as a woman or just as yourself, I have a suspicion that it's not that satisfying to watch this in, it ultimately. What do you think? It annoys me because I know that it's like, this is a strong female character, according to Hollywood, apparently. Well, I am never going to be able to punch through the door of a semi-truck. I have a lot of high fitness goals. But I'm just going to say right now, I'm never going to be able to punch through the door of a semi-truck. So it sets up an impossible standard for women in that this is the only way you can be strong. You can be strong the way a man's strong and the way most men can't be strong anyway. So it's frustrating in that sense. And it's also, it is wish fulfillment in a lot of ways for many women and for a lot of situations. Like if you feel power, powerless, it's good to feel powerful. But yeah, it's still not going to work. <laughs> Well, you make a good point that a lot of male characters can't even punch through walls and, and you know, lift 300-pound guys over their shoulders and throw them. Okay, this is a really random memory. But when I was, uh, I guess, in high school, or was it junior high? I don't remember. It, it was when the uh, TGIF was really popular on, on ABC on Friday nights. So this was uh, Full House and Family Matters. And I can't remember the other ones. But um, there, was this, there was this episode where... Uh, two of the characters, oh, step by step, that's what it was. And two characters get into a fist fight with whoever. And they go home and their their knuckles are like bruised and sore and they get out like the frozen corn or like, you know, an ice pack or something and put it on their hands. And that was like the first time, I'd, I'd never been in a fight before that. And I was like, oh, so when you get in a fight, you get hurt. In my mind, that's what I've always kept. Uh, uh, that's always been my filter for movies of like, Okay, if someone punches, the thing that they're punching punches back, basically. And so it's either going to bruise your knuckles or it's going to break your hand if you punch wrong. You know, I've, I've been through Kung Fu and stuff like that. And I, I know Kung Fu. I'm, I'm a white belt. It's nothing. <laughs> but, you know, there's some cost to it. And so what, what I see with this um, kind of surprise superhero is that there's, there's no cost at all. And Captain Marvel, maybe even more than Ray, would probably be the pinnacle of that. Just this completely unstoppable, godlike character that just blows apart a spaceship or whatever. Now, I know what, uh, what a lot of people think, though. It's like, well, it's about time that a woman had that role instead of a man. And, it, and when it's like a superpower, you know, whether it's genetic engineering or some kind of radiation thing, it's like, okay, 
or just magic power like the force. It's like, well, okay, I guess I guess a man or a woman could have that superpower, no big deal. It's just funny to see it happen when, like you said, when a lot of men can't even like punch that hard or lift that much weight to see like this tiny little girl do it. It's a great like storytelling device because it's surprising. It's like, oh, whoa, you know, that middle school girl lifted a car up in the air with her mind. Like what? But you can only suspend your disbelief so far. So maybe that's why it doesn't quite connect. But there's a there's another thing I want to go back to what I said earlier is that this archetype kind of turns the tables on the uh, like the John McClane character, you know, or the uh, James Bond character. Like I'm going to save the world and get the girl. So so this sort of like flips that and says I'm going to save the world. But there's no there's often no and get the guy. And that's what I find so fascinating about this. So Ray would probably be the biggest example of this. Every like my wife, she she was rooting for Ray and Finn to get together. And then they don't, and then this other girl comes along with Finn, but they don't get together and then Lando's mixed up in that somehow and Maybe he's her father. Or I don't know. I don't know what any of that implied, but, but in the end, Ray was single. And so there was no like, get the boy, you know, while you save the world. So obviously her and Kylo, spoiler alert, her and Kylo have that big kiss and then he dies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, does he? I mean, I still have hope, but um, no, I was, I, I saw that movie um, and I was like sitting there in the, theater just like seething with rage and i was just like <laughs> i was like this is unacceptable do it again <laughs> have you seen the hobbit series like the- yes okay so i just remember this evangeline lily's character the, the elf Ariel. yes so she falls in love with the the dwarf killing yes but then okay again spoilers he dies he dies okay in both the book and the movie Okay, so it wasn't just the movie. Yes. See, I, I read Hobbit like 30 years ago, so I don't remember. So that a similar kind of thing. It's like this really awesome female character that just owns everyone and then doesn't get the boy. D- does that seem like a thing? Does that seem like a, um, a common thing to you? Like, I mean, with these characters we look at, I guess Lilu Dallas is the only one that gets, gets the boy. He gets Bruce, she gets Bruce Willis. She is, but she's not the main character of that movie. He is. That's very true. I really can't think of a female character in this category that gets the boy. It's oddly not romantic. I would say the only one I can think of is Celine from Underworld, but she only gets him for like two movies and then he dies. So okay. um, I don't know if that counts, but uh, Patty Jenkins talked about this with Wonder Woman, where it's like the, the strong female character doesn't get her love interest, but the strong male character almost always does. Huh. So there is the whole woman in ref- women in refrigerators trope where the uh, girlfriend, the wife, whatever gets killed. And that is a little bit of what's happening where it's just the mate, like he happens to be it's men in refrigerators. So like he has to die in order to incite her story apparently. So we had this thing where it's like women can be empowered apart from men. Like they don't have to be mothers or wives or whatever. And then it swung that pendulum swung too far and it became you can only be proved that you're strong if you don't need a man Hmm. if you aren't a mom like you don't want to be have kids so uh, i think that's the extreme manifestation of it just like let her have her man let her be happy i remember um 
Me and my friends, we like boycotted the new Mulan movie because we found out Lee Shang was not in it. I was not okay with that. <laughs> I was like, I it was like uh, that wrong decision, bad decision. <laughs> Just like, it has to be on purpose because I, I could see that being inevitable or an accident, but it happens so often that I'm like, it must be to prove a point or something. Okay, well, let's go to the next category. This is, I guess you could say the more believable type of this uh, strong female character. It's the warrior princess type. So, of course, Xena, the, the, the pivotal you know, warrior princess. Eowyn from Lord of the Rings. Um, you mentioned Mulan. In more recent movies, we've got Cara Dune and The Mandalorian, you know, who she's this, um, she was this MMA fighter. So she, she really looks the part, like she could pr- beat up a lot of guys. And then in uh, the Wheel of Time series, there's Brigida Silverbow, who's this almost like Achilles type character, like just super soldier, but uh, she's an archer and uh, just really awesome fighter. This is a character that you look at, you're like, oh, okay, she's just a she's just soldier. She's not a woman first, she's a soldier first, who happens to be a woman. And so it's it's a little bit different in that you don't have to suspend your disbelief as much. But there's some other interesting things about these characters. So what what do you think about I, I never actually watched Xena, so how I don't know how that compares to like Ewen or Mulan, but what do you think about this character? So Xena, um, is kind of a paragon in a lot of ways. I would say that she is a bit different from uh, Black Widow or Jolie's Lara Croft and that she does have consequences for her actions a lot of times. So there will be whole episodes where she's laid out wounded. And uh, that's not necessarily something you would see with the previous category. I am annoyed by the fact that it seems like every time she had like a romantic interest that worked, he would either die or betray her. So that... Oh. <laughs> that did annoy me. This category does tend does usually more often have the romantic interest and uh, they have tend to have softer sides like um Xena can embroider Aowen is uh, a princess. Um uh, Mulan like we we see that she has her soft side with her family and Wonder Woman like I I love Gal Gadot's portrayal of Wonder Woman where she freaks out over babies and she wants to hold them and she's so positive and encouraging to other people. And so, um, yes, love that version, but, uh, that, that's how I would summarize it. So she's basically a female fighter who's vulnerable in some ways, either she has a physical vulnerability, she gets hurt or she has more, um, emotional vulnerability or emotional warmth to her. So she's not, you know, she's not just the female terminator. She is a, she's a female and uh, and she's she's a believable as as a woman and believable as a warrior. I'm thinking of a kind of a bad example of this is a lot of the female characters in the 100. So this uh, TV series on the CW, which I really liked that show for the first two seasons. It was like every episode was like, wow, it's so surprising, and it's sci-fi, but it's fantasy. It's like this really weird blend of genres. And then they sort of retcon all the characters to become lesbian and super warriors and that they learn languages instantly and it got really weird. It's like they swapped out all the writers, it seemed like, and and just created whole new characters. I also liked the 100 in the beginning. I was like, maybe this is promising. Then, uh, spoiler, they killed Lincoln and I was like, I'm out. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, no second chances. (laughs) Right. So that becomes the, the refrigerator boyfriend. Yes. Yes. The men in refrigerators. (laughs) 
Well, why refrigerators, by the way? Where does, where does that part of the term come from? Um, you can, it's a reference to, um, I forget, I think it was a Green Lantern comic, but it's where the main character comes home and finds out that the villain has murdered his girlfriend and put her body in the refrigerator. Oh, okay. So uh, that's where the term women in refrigerators came from. So then, yeah, Lincoln becomes the, the man in the refrigerator. Now, where would you say that this warrior princess character, where does this character fall short or like not resonate with you or, you know, where do you see this, whether it's a bad example of this character or just as an archetype, like what are like the weaknesses of this character? So their martial ability isn't usually explained away by superpowers or magic or whatever. It's usually uh, explained by a lifetime of training. So um, that does set them apart in some ways. It does isolate them. It's almost like a female Spartan. And there is still an austerity about most of them. Uh, there's there's exceptions to every statement. I mean, Aon uh, Tolkien did a great job with her. I'm a big fan of this one, so it's hard for me to objectively <laughs> judge it. But um, <laughs> I would say that there is to, there, there does tend to be a severity and intensity about them that can be uh, intimidating to some people. In the uh, Justice League, in you know, you see more of the Amazons fighting Steppenwolf, and it's just like. Whoa. I mean, because, uh, okay, spoilers, a little bit about that. A lot of them die, like a lot of them. And I mean, I got to say, as a, as a husband and as a father to three girls, it's, it's hard to watch that. I mean, I'll, I'll watch all kinds of war movies, but there, there is something, I mean, I'll just be honest. There's something about, as a man, seeing women just get killed that's it's very, it's very unsettling. I remember reading in a, a Malcolm Gladwell book where he talks about POWs, how there would be a practice when, in recent years, when uh, American POWs would be captured and some of them would be women, what they would do is they'd take the men and then they would beat the women until the men would mm. give in. And the men usually gave in pretty quick. I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, God made men to be protectors. Most like men don't want to see women hurt. They don't want to see children hurt. And I don't think, I don't think that's a bad thing. But it, it is one a liability that our military has discovered about having women in war. It, it creates an interesting quandary. Yeah. And of course, that's been in the news a whole lot lately, which I'm going to stay kind of far away from here. But <laughs> but yeah, I, I think there's part of human nature that you can't deny how that makes you feel. You know, so e- either you close off that part of your soul and say, well, I don't care about women any more than I care about men getting tortured or killed or you sort of cheer it on or something. I, yeah. I, I'm not really sure where our culture is headed with this. It, it brings up the whole idea of the draft. Like should women get drafted? Uh, which is again, as, as a father, I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. And not really a big fan of the draft anyway. Yeah. I mean, I, I was like, I don't want to force anyone to go do anything. So um, why don't we just get rid of it? But uh, anyway, <laughs> Don't want to get too political, but um. but this uh, the, the warrior princess is interesting because, like you said, it's more believable. You you it's not explained away. There's all this training that goes in this character, so you you don't like flinch when you see this character. You're like, okay, I can accept this, but it's more how you feel about it later. That scene that was cut from uh, the theatrical version of Return of the King, where Aomer finds Aowen on the battlefield. Oh, I didn't know about that. Interesting. Yes. So it, it, it's very intense, but it's like just being horrified that his baby sister is out here. And yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go to the next category, which I call the girl boss. 
So this is not a necessarily a physical fighter. So we're gonna we're gonna move out of the realm of just like, you know, strength through violence and more strength through force of will, through character, through through action, through dialogue and, and other things and decision making. So the the pinnacle of this, of course, because I'm Generation X Wing, is Princess Leia. Like she's the ultimate girl boss. <laughs> and then around, you know, around that same time in movies, we had aliens. So we had Ripley. Terminator, so we had Sarah Connor. Wheel of Time, we had Nynaeve, which I just learned. I'm saying I've been saying wrong this whole time. So how do you pronounce <laughs> Nynaeve in real uh, life? On on the audiobook, it's pronounced Nineveh. Nineveh, okay. <laughs> so I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to do that. So Nineveh is, you know, she's she's a magic user in Wheel of Time, but uh, but she is she's already you know feisty or whatever she she takes charge she uh, she doesn't suffer fools and in real life there there's two characters or two people in real life that I've been studying a lot one is Elizabeth Holmes and she was the college dropout from Stanford who started Theranos this billion dollar biomedical company and the whole idea was that you would get all of this information about your health from a drop of blood and you could go to Walgreens and, and do it yourself and get all this information. And, and it was like all about decoupling your medical data from the, from the medical industry. And it, it was a great idea. The only problem is it never worked and it never, apparently it never could work physically or chemically or something. So now her company went bankrupt and there she's under federal investigation and perhaps going to jail I don't know. She's almost in this other category we'll talk about in a minute, but she completely led that company by force of character. There's a series called The Dropout that's all about her. It's very fascinating just how she led people. I I would say she's a little bit more of a villain, but a little bit more of a hero character in real life would be Gwen Shotwell. She is the chief operating officer of SpaceX. Uh, She's got a great TED Talk and some other talks about what that's like and what it's like to be an engineer. She very much leads that company through just very strength of character. They're doing, you know, SpaceX is just doing amazing things. Uh, and she's sort of the, uh, the temperament to Elon Musk's, uh, you know, crazy ideas. But, you know, this whole character of the girl boss or whatever you want to call it, this is also an interesting, you know, strong female character that we, may not see as often, but I think it's, it's more, I, I bring up Elizabeth Holmes and Gwen Shotwell to say, I think this is the character we see more in real life. Of the, of the archetypes that have been mentioned, um, I'm unfortunately only really familiar with the fictional ones. Um, Princess Leia, Ripley, Sarah Connor, Nineveh. The problems with these characters when I watched or read them was uh, that they're usually, so they don't physically dominate for the most part, like Sarah Connor, yeah, she can she can do that on occasion. They tend to verbally dominate. So they can be very cruel with the things that they say. And that's portrayed as power or spunk, like they speak their mind. Well, sometimes what's on your mind, I can't say nothing nice, don't say nothing at all. And so while it is important to not be quiet all the time, like you need to speak up, I really, really hate. I'm going to actually use the word hate when uh, women in literature are portrayed positively for speaking cruelly to other people. Mm. So it's usually in fiction, the women speak that way to men. And usually in real life, I see them do it to other women, but I also see them do it to women uh, 
uh, do it to men in real life. So what's the word? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so I'm one of those people who believes you should speak life over people. So Princess Leah, I mean, I love her. I love her. But um, these two guys have risked their lives to come into the most secure military base in the galaxy. And she insults them the entire time. <laughs> and I'm like, it's like, why? It's like, there's no reason for this. And so, but, but that's uh, Nineveh too. Like, I didn't like her in the beginning. It's like, she's so cruel. And it's like, just be nice to someone. Like, I know you mean well, but just be nice to someone. And, and so yeah, that's when you see women doing that in real life, they think that's the way to get ahead. And that's not, that's not how women or really anyone should be seeking to be powerful. It, it's like, it's not a positive character trait in men either. I've thankfully never had a boss like this, but I have, I, I can understand a boss like this that just drives, actually, I have a really good friend with a boss like this that um, just constantly insults, you know, and, and or is just kind of domineering uh, or just hypercritical. It's not a positive trait in men. And so it, it's interesting how it does seem to be portrayed as a positive trait, or like you said, it's kind of the path to power for a character that's not physically strong, but says, okay, I'm going to kind of overpower these male characters through my, my voice and through my words with, uh, with Elizabeth Holmes, she kind of overpowered people with promises, but also sort of this, uh, I don't know if you want to call it like a sociopathic uh, disorder or people have likened her to Steve Jobs and having this like reality distortion field and, and sort of like a cult leader almost mentality of, and I, I don't know all the details. It's been a while since I've looked into her, but she dominated people through threats and you know, again, not violence, but, but all verbal. And again, people have compared her to Steve Jobs for all the dark side of that Steve Jobs had. So if, if you read biographies of him, he, he very much had a cutting, insulting personality called people bozos and much worse, like to their face in front of other people and just really dressed down, you know, people he didn't like. So I guess this is a form of strength in one way, but it's, it's like a, what did you say? It, it's like, it's not tempered. It's like constructive criticism is fine. Just like public ridicule is not. Right. So, um, well, private ridicule, maybe not either, but yeah, and you know the I would say the the overall weakness of this character character type is that it tends to be polarizing so, some people obviously love Princess Leia for for how she takes it to the boys and and takes no crap from no one, but it's like, yeah, I mean, but that can be that can be sort of a turnoff to a lot of people, or that can be great. I mean, you just look at the characters and how it affects them, they don't like it yeah, well, she's supposed to be a diplomat too. <laughs> that's a great point <laughs> so that's that's how you do diplomacy from alderaan i guess all right well the fourth category it's sort of a twist on the girl boss maybe more of a villain approach to this it's it's what i call the tortured goddess i've seen this called the bad witch or just very generally the tragic hero this can be a good or a bad character. This is a female character that has a ton of strength, but um, maybe some dark impulses or just like a kind of a mixed nature of good and bad. And as a result, uh, hurts people that you care about or sort of meanders their way towards a victory. The most recent example of this 
is Jean Grey from X-Men Dark Phoenix. And I, I've been a big X-Men fan my whole life. She's a very complicated, interesting character that has these like super, superpowers, but sort of this uh, psychotic nature to her, basically, that makes her just destroy the good people. And even the villains are like scared, like everyone's scared of her, basically. A more kid-friendly version is Elsa from Frozen. You know, has got these powers, been told to keep it to herself, and then eventually just blasts the whole land with winter. In the Marvel Universe, there's Wanda Maximoff, who, if you've been watching uh, WandaVision, has set up this whole alternate reality in this, this town through her powers. Some other examples would be Catwoman from The Dark Knight Rises, Selena Kyle. You know, she's got these great skills of thieving and uh, in, in fighting. And sometimes she's on Batman's side, sometimes she's working against Batman. And so she's kind of got her own agenda, basically. And maybe that's a, the best way to explain this type of character is that this is a powerful character, but it kind of has her own direction, her own agenda. And, you know, the weakness here is that there's kind of no moral center. So what, who are some other characters you can think of in this category, Elizabeth? Oh, I would say uh, in real life, an example would be Cleopatra. It's a controversial series, but in Game of Thrones, Cersei Lannister definitely fits the archetype. If you hold up to the end of the TV series as well, um, Daenerys Targaryen does as well. Medusa does. In general, I would say this, this character can either be hero or villain. But uh, what she does is usually explained and or excused by her backstory, things that have been done to her. So in one way, she is still a victim, but uh, has become a villain. There's this quote I saw once. It was, the evil queens are the princesses no one saved. And so interesting. this would would describe this category. Yeah. One of my friends, Laura, said... uh, this is a character who something horrible happened to her, so she killed everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, like all those, um, all those country songs about killing the man who cheats. It's oh. like <laughs> that's what, <laughs> same same principle. Yeah, this this type of character is so interesting because it's it's such a complicated character, and how we react to this character. So, uh, just take Wandavision. She's the Scarlet Witch. She has this uh, chaos magic power, and she can do whatever she wants, in- including basically enslaving people against their will and brainwashing them. And that's usually bad. That's usually what the villain does. But because Vision loves her, if it's actually Vision, we sort of forgive her, even though the characters in that story really don't forgive her. So I, I'm so curious why we sort of excuse this character. Like, what, what is it about this character that we're willing to look the other way or like, oh, okay, I could, I could see how she would do that. I think that uh, right now our society is dealing with a lot of its own suppressed impulses. And uh, so they relate to people. It's like, you did something bad, but somebody did something bad to you, so it's okay. It's really not. <laughs> That's man's way of justice. That's not God's way of justice. Even like Medusa, she's a, a victim in, in the original mythology who's punished with this curse for something she didn't actually, she wasn't to blame for. And like Cersei Lannister is exploited by her father and beaten by her husband, but um, doesn't really excuse her murdering all the people, all these people in the story. 
As far as why we like it, uh, I think that's a very complicated question um, that I wouldn't, <laughs> I don't think I can concisely answer. But uh, I, I would say that it's generally excused because it's, uh, if you have a bad day and you're rude to the clerk, like most people will excuse themselves for that behavior because they're like, well, I had a bad day. Well, the clerk doesn't know that. And like, you shouldn't have been rude to them anyway. We excuse these characters because we excuse ourselves. And so we're projecting onto them. These women who are like, well, I don't date a guy. I don't date guys named Rob. And it's like, well, why don't you date guys named Rob? Well, because I dated this one guy named Rob and he was awful. And it's like, well, no, they, these guys didn't pick their names. They didn't pick your ex's name. But it's like, I'm going to punish all them, but it's okay because like I had this experience. We excuse our own behavior because of our experiences. And so in order to maintain that consistency, we have to excuse these characters too for their behavior. And that, that's my belief that why we do that. Yeah, even though it, it, it looks to us like vengeance, you know, it, it, it feels to that character like that's just justice. It's just balancing the scales and making it right. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't really work out in the long run to, to do that. It just kind of perpetuates a cycle of violence or, or hurt or pain or something. So it makes us uncomfortable. But you're right, we, we tend to do the same things and, and just excuse it in ourselves. Well, the last category of this uh, strong female type is what I call the gentle guardian. Now, someone may say, though, it's the, it, it, the, it's like a nurturer, but I think it goes beyond just a, a nurturer. It's someone that has a very strong inner character, like a strength of will, but a lot of grace that that's cloaked in. So th- this would be someone that is a leader, but you'd be surprised if they cuss or you'd be surprised if they kind of choose someone out. So this would be uh, Lucy Pevensey from Narnia, just this, this quiet but determined young lady, or Queen Amidala from The Phantom Menace, which it's funny. I'm liking the prequels now more and more, I guess in <laughs> contrast to the sequels. I'm like, yeah, maybe those aren't so bad. <laughs> and uh, in Wheel of Time, this would be Elaine Tricand, uh, Queen Elaine. and. Uh, you know, she's this very determined, almost like a, she's like a princess Leia, but with more class, I guess you could say. She's like more of a princess than princess Leia. You know, and she actually is one of those characters when she says a cuss word, everyone's like, whoa. So it's not who you expect that from. Uh, in the Bible, you know, this is Queen Esther, who doesn't lead by uh, strength through violence or strength through, you know, insults or anything like that, but just strength through determination and like overcoming kind of that inner fear and just conquering that dread of, you know, what if I get killed or get in trouble or what if my people die, but just conquering that inner demon and then to an extent, Ruth also. And so who who else do you think fits in this category? Oh, when you brought up this category, I also thought of Arista Essendon from uh, the Ryuria Chronicles by Michael J. Sullivan. Um, I really appreciated his characterization of her where she she's a princess and uh spoiler she learns magic and uh she's very strong and she's very much a leader but uh she kind of does it by accident like people end up loving her wherever she goes and she get convinces these people to fight the empire because they just they love her and i i I very much appreciated the way that uh he portrayed that where she's not physically overpowered she's not magically overpowered and uh she's kind 
once she matures, like when you meet her in the prequels, she's not a nice child, but um, she grows up and I, I, yes, Michael J. Sullivan is an amazing author. Well, and it's funny with this being the last category because quite honestly, it's the last type of character that fits a strong female character category that I thought of. You know, I, I didn't think of Queen Esther right away. I didn't think of Lucy right away. It, it's just funny how we, we define that word, you know, back to the beginning. It's, it's not about punching and shooting. There's other ways to be strong, but you know, this, this type of character is so interesting to me because I think it actually takes more strength not to punch something or yell at someone. It, it takes a lot of strength to withhold that anger or that those impulses. And that's not often recognized as strength. It's often, it's when you give into those impulses and you, you hurt someone or you overpower someone that scene is strong, but that's uh you know, you're, you're kind of just giving in to some impulse or some temptation even. Whereas to, to kind of redirect someone like Queen Esther does, or I'm even thinking Jasmine in the new Aladdin that that was a lot of fun. Uh, and, and the, the way that they developed Jasmine's character and she's got the whole song, I will not be silent and which I'm not going to sing. Don't worry uh, to our dear listener, but you know, she's very much in that Queen Esther type of I'm going to speak up. I, I'm going to speak up against this evil, you know, ruler that's, who's trying to kill everyone but it's not in a way that is demeaning to others. It's it's very much in a way that's self-controlled. Have you ever seen self-control portrayed as strength, right? Like that's not often how we think of strength in our culture. No, it was, um, this is like a personal anecdote that's coming up as you're talking. Um, when I were, I did um, my college internship at the Texas legislature and there was this one female legislator who was presenting a bill and uh, these people were coming up and testifying and on the nature of like you have to you public input is allowed on most of these bills all of them but in this case it was a live interview and these people are coming up and they're accusing attacking her personally of all these horrible horrible things not supposed to do that but she sat there and she didn't react to any of it and i remember watching her and thinking wow that's a powerful woman I was like, that's true female power right there. It's like she's not responding out of anger or hurt toward these people. That's actually the opposite of what's usually portrayed as strength, men or women. Yeah, so maybe the true strength is taking a punch and not giving one. It's so counterintuitive. For our a quick bonus segment, where do these, I, I had trouble categorizing these characters that everyone's probably heard of. Katniss Everdeen from The Hunger Games, where does she fit? Are we going off movie or book version? Oh, well, either one. Actually. If you, if you want to differentiate them, that's even better. So I don't know if I was like the only person who watched the movie and thought that it, the character was totally different. But yeah, I did. Um, I did too. Okay. Okay. In the books, I found her to be much harder and crueler. And uh, she would fall under like a hard version of Warrior Princess. Like you understand why she is the way she is when you read the books. But uh, I found a hard time liking her just because she can be so mercenary, which, um, which I mean, I understand why the character's that way. I, I, I don't argue with that, but I, I just personally found it hard to like her. And then in um, the movies, she fits like almost in the gentle nurturer, like from my opinion. Yeah, that was another one where I was just like, she could, she would say things and I'm like, stop being mean to Peta, just like don't <laughs> talk to him like that but um, 
Yeah, she's a she's a very complicated character. She it, it's hard to categorize her, and that and maybe that's what makes her so interesting. Okay, and a second one I had trouble categorizing was Elastigirl from The Incredibles. Oh, that is a tough one. So at times she kind of fits into the like surprise superhero femme fatale, and then other times she's the gentle nurturer. So it depends where she is in the timeline. But if I had to just like pick right now, I'd say she's more of a nurturer. She's like the mom first and she loses her temper at her kids, but every mom has. Her motherhood is very much a part of who she is. She fights with her husband. Every woman does. (laughs) But it's like, that is another tough one. It's like, I do like Elastigirl. Maybe that's why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think that shows that she's a very well-rounded character. You know, she doesn't, she's not a stereotype of any of these. And when she's fighting, with her husband or even with her kids, she's fighting for them. You know, she's fighting for her family, for what she views as the way for her family to prosper and and for them to have, you know, a good existence. And so she battles with her husband, but it's it's battling over different ways to achieve the same goal. They're united in their purpose, but just they're different in how they approach it. But yeah, I, I love how much she fights for them and, and not only like fights the bad guys, but just kind of fights her own impulses and fights her own weaknesses in a sense. And so she's a great character. All right. So how about from your own books, Elizabeth, who's, who's a character, who's one of your favorite characters from your own books and where does she fit in this spectrum? Like the one of the characters I'm most proud of for writing just because she's so unlike me is um zula from the most recent three books of the sand sea series so um not to give spoilers but zula actually kind of fits into the warrior princess archetype um and then she's been a a warrior all her life but um she has a lot of issues that she's working through and she starts out pretty hard and pretty um very strict but i love the fact that her character goes through a softening that you don't usually see like usually the female character starts out soft and then becomes hard and powerful. But like Zula starts out uh, very hard and gar- uh, guarded and then softens towards the end. So I, I really enjoyed flipping that on its uh, head where she's where um, being soft and letting people in is shown as character growth. And so that was that was a lot of fun for me. I've gotten some really good feedback on that character. And the fact that she's like where she is in her life experiences are so different from me and that people are still relating to it and enjoying it. I was like, yes. So um, I'm very proud of uh, Zula and Warlords of the Sansi. Well, that's great. Well, that's um, that's another great way to show strength. Just that it's it's still conquering something. It's still battling something, but it's uh, it's it's much harder than just a brick wall, I guess. There's like the revenge versus forgiveness archetype in there that debate, and so that was a lot of fun to write. Well, that sounds like a really great story. So, how do you see this character type of the strong female? character how do you where do you see this going evolving maturing and and sort of changing in in positive ways hopefully that's a problem with defining things is that a lot of times guidelines can become laws it's how to understand the uh the difference between a well-rounded and well-developed female character versus one that fits a narrow set of parameters to be strong so does every single female character need to have a boyfriend or a husband at the end, no, but um, maybe some of them should. Women are complex creatures. Uh, humans are complex creatures, and they come in 
different personality types. They come with different giftings. They come with different leadership styles. So not any one of them is necessarily right. So not necessarily any one of these characters is right. But anytime you try to pigeonhole a good character into any one of these archetypes, or you only have representation of one of these archetypes across an entire genre, that's where you know there's been a, a problem. So I'm hopeful that we'll get more diverse representations of types of femininity, like ways to be a woman. And uh, it's like, I like combat boots and camo. I also like glittery eyeshadow. So um, it's like, it doesn't, it, there's, doesn't have to be like one thing that defines a good female character. Yeah, that's a good word. So Elizabeth, where can our listener find you and your stories? So uh, the best place to find me is elizabethwheatley.com. That is E-L-I-S-A-B-T-E-H-W-H-E-A-T-L-E-Y.com. I spell my name, first name with the King James version. So um, that should help. That's great. And we'll link to that in the show notes. Well, this has been a great discussion. I love all the insight you've brought to this. I love how this whole conversation really took off. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun. For our fantastical fan segment, we got a note in the mailbag from Andrew who wrote, thanks for providing such great content. I've really been enjoying your podcast and what you've had to say, end quote. Well, thanks so much for writing us, Andrew. We hope that you find a great community of other Christian readers here at Lorehaven. And to you, our listener, we would love your feedback on this episode. Which of these categories or examples of the strong female character most resonates with you? Or which ones do you not like? How do you want to see this definition evolve? We'd love to hear from you. So send us a note to podcast at lorehaven.com. Meanwhile, in whichever way you are fighting the darkness, be strengthened in the Lord and by his vast strength. For he has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Find your strength in the one who was called the rock before Dwayne Johnson came on the scene and then later got beat up by Moana. And don't forget to boast about your weaknesses in which Christ's power is perfected as we continue to seek and find fantastical truth.